Hello, 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 and welcome back to Season 7 of A Date with Sugar and Spice, the podcast where we talk all things dating, relationships, and love. That was cringy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I loved it. I okay. loved it. Okay, good. I'm your host, Aspen English, and we have a very special guest on today's episode. But before we introduce her, we have some very important business to get to. And what's that? So on last week's episode with Sophie, I promised that I would try chamomile tea. And did you? I, I did not, but I'm about to because I thought I would try it for the first time ever live on the show. What do you think? I love it. Let's do it. Do you think you're going to like it? Um, we're about to find out. So I've got some materials down here. Now the audience can't can't see. So Kat, do you think you do me you could do me a favor and maybe narrate what what's going on here? Oh, definitely. So we have a Smith's bag being pulled onto the table. Let's see. There's a cutting board. A box of tea. ASMR. I'm rattling the box. Let's see, we have a knife. And a lovely mug. I can't tell what's on it, though. It says Portugal. Shout out to Hayden Coombs. Let me borrow the mug. We have a lemon. And is that honey? Yes. This is a very small sample-sized thing of honey. So if you'll remember, um, Nate, if you want to be extra, you can go in and put like a little flashback sound. I want a chamomile type of gum. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll I'll put that on my like list of teas to try. You never tried chamomile. So, last week on on the last episode of Dating with Sugar and Spice, um, I promised Sophie Luna that I would try chamomile tea, and I was worried that I wouldn't like it. So she told me to have it with a lot of honey and lemon. So, so I've got my little thermos of hot water here. Um, now we are in the recording studio, so so I'm gonna let's just hope I don't spill anything, right? Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not clumsy. That's a lie. Okay, <laughs> I'm pouring the water. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna sound gross <laughs> for the audience. I'm really sorry that I, that's just me pouring my water. Now I've got I've got a little uh what. The, the cozy chamomile. Yeah. You want to see that package. Yeah. The cozy chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just... My mom loves this stuff. I, My grandma does too. And I want so badly to like it as well. So I, I'm kind of... What do you call when you like dip the, the tea bag in, in the water? I feel like there's a name there, for it. There is a name for it. I don't know it. I don't remember it is. either. Um, yeah. No, con- continue your narration. Um. Because oh, I've yeah. got some some important cutting to do. Yeah. Now Aspen is cutting the lemon right in half. Lovely lemon juice is going all over the cutting board. It's fine. That, there's a reason I brought the cutting board. It's yeah. it's not getting over any of the podcast equipment. Don't worry, Nate. Okay. Yeah. And now it's the lemon is going into the tea. She's squeezing it right into the tea. I hope that wasn't too much. It looked all right. Okay. All right. Now I've got my spoon. My very small. Jar how, of honey. How, how small is this jar of honey? Because it's really cute. So could you just like explain to the audience how cute it is? It actually is really cute. It's not like the full like squeeze bottle because those are hard. But it's like little tiny, like smaller than the palm of your hand. Like it would fit like just right in there. That's that so is so much honey. Oh, shoot. Was it? <laughs> it's okay. It'll be sweet. Oh It'll be great. Okay. So, so I thought it was like a teaspoon of honey. 
I mean, I didn't, I only put like half a cup of water in there. So, me, okay. Ah, all right. I'm taking my spoon. I'm stirring. Oh my gosh. I spilled. I, I did not spill anything. No, she didn't. It's fine. No. Okay. All right. This is the moment of truth, everyone. Um, listen to the stirring sounds. Okay. Didn't know this is an ASMR podcast. Well, it is now. It is now. So. Will you give me like a little a countdown? Maybe. All right. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. I don't hate it. Okay. I don't hate it. All oh right. my gosh. It doesn't taste like grass water. It tastes like lemony grass water. All right. All right, well, folks, there you have it. Um, I kept my promise to you. I made a little bit of a mess, and so hopefully they'll forgive me um, if I just, you know, take a Clorox wipe to this after. But, um, yeah, I like chamomile tea. So thank you thank you for, for following me on this chamomile journey. I hope you all enjoyed it. But without further ado, may I introduce today's guest? And, Nate, let's get some applause in here. Cat Fitzpatrick. Thank you. Thank you. And just to clarify, Nate is our podcast editor, so he'll add some cheering in for you post-production. Thank you, Nate. And so, Kat, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so this is my technically second year at SUU, but I'm doing it in three. So I'm a junior, which is nice. super fun. So, so are you doing, i got to ask, summer semesters? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, so sorry. It's okay. This last summer was only generals, so it really wasn't too bad. That is, okay, that's good. Yeah, I am a pre-med. I'm pre-med, so I'm biology major with a minor in chemistry. Oh my goodness. I'm currently in organic chemistry, so that's kicking my butt a bit. So <laughs> who's who's your professor? Because I hear red, it's harder than with the other professor, right? Yeah, so Ty Red is extremely hard, so I have Werner, and I love Werner. Hallelujah, I for actually, your sake. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had him for first semester of, of general chemistry, and... I loved him. I loved how he taught. And so now I'm back with him again for organic chemistry. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck in completing that OCHEM class. Well, I've heard. You. I have a shout out to my roommate, Alexis. Going to start just shouting her out in every podcast. But she, yeah, she's told me some horror stories about OCHEM. So, and well, I got to ask, what is your main goal um, with your degree? Do you want to go to med school? Do you want to be a doctor, nurse? Um, yeah, my plan is medical school. Um, I worked as an EMT up north. I'm from up north. And um, I absolutely loved it. But my biggest, the hardest thing I had with that job was leaving my patients at the door of the emergency department. And so ever since then, I have loved the emergency department. And so I'm hoping to either be an emergency physician or go into trauma surgery. Um, those are kind of my top two that I'm working with right now. That is incredible. Um, if I ever need to have surgery... I hope you'll be there. Yeah, hit me up. Because I just, I've been, I've been in this recording studio for about five minutes with Kat and, and there's a very calming presence in here. I think if I was dying of like a, of a head injury or a concussion or like some, something happened to my spine, who knows? I'd want you there while I, while I laid and, and suffered on some stretcher or something. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Consider that that a compliment. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So, and as you know, this is a dating podcast. So Kat's going to tell us a little bit about her personal dating experience. So Kat, will you tell us and the audience and me 
Um, what makes your circumstances unique? How is your dating world different? Yeah, I think um, the number one thing that would make it unique, um, especially for, you know, talking into this podcast is I am queer. I belong to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I lean, you know, with, I like men and women, um, but bisexuality always seemed too confined for me as a label. And so I've always just preferred queer as my label. Um, I completely understand. Yeah, it, I don't know. I like the umbrella term. It kind of gives me the fluidity I need while also having a label because my scientific mind prefers a label. Right. So. I, I completely get that. And, and there's, there's a lot of comfort in the term queer because of the umbrella term because it gives you a family with everyone yes in that definitely community, right? absolutely I agree so so tell me how how long have you been out because um, you talk about being queer and in today's society obviously that is not a default for for anyone and so how how long has it been since you came out did you are always know tell us a little bit about the beginning of that experience for you yeah, so my actually is it's not my story is not unique um, to other crew people that I've talked to. Actually, um, the first time I came out to anybody was actually I was thirteen, um, and it was to the girl that I had fallen in love with. That's oh my goodness, yep. a middle school love it story! It really was, at least on my end. <laughs> um, oh no, it was seventh grade. It was my best friend in the world, and I was like, this doesn't feel like friendship feelings. And so we all love Google, and so I started googling it. I feel like that's the beginning of a lot of queer think people's so story as they Google it. I think it's a it's a coming of age requirement. It really almost. is. It is. Yeah. Right. So I Googled it and I was like, oh, oh Lord, I I think this is kind of, you know, where I fall. Because like, I, I first looked up bisexuality because that's kind of, you know, growing up there was always straight or gay. And then all of a sudden there was bisexual. And I was like, oh, well, maybe that's me. And so I told my best friend. She did not take it well. Oh, no. Um. And then we weren't friends anymore, which super sucked. But because of that, I've always been really, really close to my parents. And so when she didn't take it well, I actually ended up telling my parents next, which is rare for, for career people, especially in Utah. That is. Um, and so I told them. My dad took it pretty well. Um, he made a joke of like, oh, so we both like women. So that really eased some of the tension. Okay, there. okay. That's a, that's a good, that's an appropriate dad joke yeah, for the it, time. Yeah, it I think. really was. It really was. My mom, even to this day, still struggles with it. She supports me as much as she can. Um, but that moment when I came out, um, she didn't handle herself very well. Um, it wasn't anything like terrible. She just kind of shut down in a way. And Which can be really hard for a 13 year old. It was right? very hard. Yeah, she has since apologized for her behavior, but it was really hard as like, the second person I'm coming out to, you know, is a mother figure. They're supposed to support you. And it was definitely not the worst coming out story to parents, but it was definitely, I think, still a little traumatizing for me being 13. Um, and after that, I didn't really tell anybody. I didn't really feel comfortable because of the school that I was in, where I was living. Um, and I think the next time I actually came out to somebody, I was in, like, the middle of high school. And it was wow. actually another girl that I had like had a crush on and she was also queer because you know you can kind of tell if a girl is queer it's it's the gaydar it really is it, it's a thing it's a definitely a thing and I think some some very few straight people have gaydar I think I think if you have gaydar you have to be a little you, gay right yeah, right yeah which 
another point. I don't actually believe in straight people. Me neither. Yeah, it's a whole... People don't believe me when I say that I don't believe in straight people. With the whole spectrum being what it is, there's no way that one person is 100% straight. They may lean very, very far on one side, you know, of that particular gender, but no one is 100% straight. We've got some... We have some piping hot tea in the studio, and it is not just the chamomile. Um, That's such an interesting take because um, as someone who has also come out um, on that bisexuality spectrum, I am comfortable with that label, but I also identify as queer because, like you said, that umbrella term, it is hard to look back on my experience and think, well, doesn't every isn't everyone like this what what happened you know like how can you how can it just be so limited do you do you get what I'm saying yes exactly yeah I think you know there are some people you know especially I don't know what it is about men specifically quote-unquote straight men they they firmly believe in 100% heterosexuality and I love having this discussion with straight men actually because you know I have my take as you know a not straight woman talking to a supposedly straight man and they're always like no I would never date a man I would never but you're like the whole spectrum of things sure you may not date a man but you know there might have been feelings for somebody whether subconscious or not like I just I don't know I don't even if you find a man particularly attractive or like um yeah like I think everyone the has, male gaze right yep. the male gaze it's made for you males mm-hmm. right yes um no I completely understand and and I think that's a really interesting you know for our audience listeners who are having a little bit of a hard time with this concept just think about I'd ask and maybe you can back me up on this cat I would ask you to think of a world in which heteronormativity it does not exist where um, in a world where you don't assume that people are straight by default, where there is no um, homophobia, um, no queer phobia is a little bit of a better term. Um, no one is scared of that. And I think that a lot of um, people who insist that straightness is as common as it seems to be, I think that a lot of that stems from fear. And so I think I can speak for both of us when I say that a little bit of open-mindedness can go a long way in thinking about this, right? Oh, definitely. For sure. And I think, you know, for the audience listeners who do identify as, as straight, I think, yeah, definitely try to think of it with an open mind of, you know, maybe I, maybe, you know, you are straight, but the person next to you might not be even if they don't show that. I think that's the most important thing of all. Definitely. Is whenever, at the end of the day, um, and I hope if our audience listeners take anything from this, uh, at the end of the day, you don't know, you don't know the identity of most of the people sitting in a room with you at any given time. So make sure that your words reflect acceptance of everyone, right? Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, I'm from Utah, and so... The main culture in Utah has not always been, you know, revolving around, you know, this culture of care and acceptance towards, you know, any queer person, you know, whether it's, you know, lesbian, gay, transgender, anything in that spectrum, there's not, it's not common to find 
that level of acceptance. Absolutely not. And for anyone who listened to last week's episode, we did talk a little bit about the Utah struggles, um, the expectations that a lot of people seem to have, especially at a Utah college like ours, the expectation of marriage and family. But we didn't talk about uh, some of those expectations are not just marriage, but it's marriage between a man and a woman. And um, that can be a little hard to let go of when, when you know, you're forced to come to terms with people who don't identify within those that gender binary and people who don't identify as people who can be in a heteronormative relationship. So very, very profound words. I, this is, this is so wild. Yeah. It's yeah. With with you mentioning marriage, it just makes me think, you know, growing up, you know, until I hit about 13, you know, my family and everything, I didn't grow up Mormon um, or LDS, but my entire family was, my parents weren't, but everyone else in my family was. And growing up, it was always, oh, she's going to marry the prettiest boy. You know, she's going to marry, she's going to marry, she's going to have kids. She's going to have kids. And I, as a very, very young age, was never for marriage. I said, Mom, Dad, I am never getting married. I am never having kids. And then I found out that you can indeed marry a woman. And that changed my whole perspective <laughs> on marriage. It really did. I told my dad once, this was a couple years ago, I said, so you know how I've always said I'd never marry a man? And he's like, yeah. I said, I would marry the hell out of a woman. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I do like men, you know, which has been very odd for me to come to, comes to terms with. You know, as I started to come out, I thought I, you know, was a lesbian and fully leaned towards women. And it's actually as funny as this is. It's been the past about six months where I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, men are kind of creeping back in there for me, you know, which is why I really do prefer that career label because it's a big umbrella term. Completely understandable. So no matter, like, who I'm liking or what gender, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change my label at all. Um, but no, it, yeah, I would marry a woman. I guess maybe I'd marry a man. I like to describe myself as I love women and I tolerate men. <laughs> Sorry to the men listening to this podcast. I, I think, I think the good ones will understand. It's right? true. I feel that. Yeah. I yeah. like the good men. I like the, the good, good men. men. Exactly. We do like, we, we do like the good <laughs> men. And so we're talking about, acceptance and and this this different scene you know expectations in Utah and um queerness not being the norm so how how has that influenced your dating life so I mean you've always you've almost always known you've known since you were 13 so was your first date with a man or a woman or how, explain to us how, how you started exploring um, dating in your life. Yeah, I my first date was with a man. Um, and I actually didn't have an official date with a woman until about a month out of high school, as crazy as that is. Wow. Um, I was like fancied women from afar, I guess. My, where I went to high school was not accepting at all. Um, there were maybe two out gay men there was not a single out gay woman um and so I did not want to be the first I was definitely more of the quiet kid in high school um and because of that it didn't really offer me a lot of opportunities to date women because because you're you're you know they always say there are plenty of fish in the sea right but in your case 
there were no fish in the sea and it was a fish tank and it was empty, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes there, you know, a man, a, you know, a man would be thrown in there, but yeah. So my first date was, was with a man. Um, my first kiss is with a man, all that. And, you know, it was very interesting. It really did not help me be able to validate my own identity because my only experience was with men. And so I'm fighting this, you know, feeling of, I, I do think I like women, but I don't have the experience with a woman. And so when I turned 18, I think it was the day I turned 18. What I, a birthday gift, right? right? I downloaded Tinder only because I wasn't looking for a hookup, only because I wanted to see the options where I was living. Right. And the fish in the sea. Exactly. Wanted see exactly. Them. I wanted to see what fish were in the sea. And it was, this is so funny to talk about. The very first person that I saw on my Tinder, her name was Marissa. Shout out to Marissa. Um, and I we matched, actually, as funny as that is. Oh my and goodness. we started talking, and I, I swiped up on her. I made the first move, and I got her number. And then, let's see what happened after that. I, so, in, I don't know how many of the audience members understand a woman to woman relationship. I don't I don't think a many. So so feel free yeah, to okay. expand. Okay, I will expand on so with with dating a woman, it's more of like an elevated friendship is kind of how I see it in my mind. It's an instant friendship connection with an added level that is really, really hard to describe. But my first time actually talking with Marissa was on a three hour FaceTime. Oh my goodness. Because she wanted to make sure I was legit. That's um, fair. Which is I, totally I, fair. 100%. I understand. As, as a queer woman, I would not want to go on a date with, and you know, get catfished by, you know, a homophobic somebody. Right. Right. So I was perfectly happy with this. We were like, okay, 10 minutes, like let's just get to know each other a little bit. It ended up being three hours. And it was in that moment where I actually like fell in love with her. I, it was an instant connection for me. And then we agreed that we would meet for breakfast. It was a couple of days later. Cause she actually lived about half an hour from me. Um, and so we met for breakfast and she brought me flowers. This is the first time so cute. anybody had brought me flowers. Okay. Even the men that I had dated, which one of which, you know, I had a year long relationship with a man before this, you know, a six month one before that. And she was the first person to ever buy me flowers. Oh my goodness. And that, you must've felt so special. I felt so special. And I, as soon as I saw them in her hand, I was like, wow, this is why you date women. <laughs> I was like, I was- For the flowers. Exactly. I was instantly validated by right. this girl bringing me flowers on a first date. And that date lasted, I think around three hours as well. So, you know, it's with a woman loving woman relationship, it's- it is like hanging out with your best friend. It's not, there's no awkwardness of, you know, is the man going to make the first move, all this stuff. It's very, at least in my experience, even, it's very, you know, you know she makes a move, I make a move. You right. know, she, it's very back and forth and very fluid and balanced. Do you feel like the playing field is almost more level? Definitely. Absolutely. There's not, there's different societal norms. Right. I wouldn't say there's no societal norms because within the queer community, there still are some. But like if you're on a date with a man, the man is expected to pay. The man oh. is expected to pull out your chair. He's expected to open the door for you. But with women, it's like very even. It really is like almost. Well, there are no old fashioned. I, I say old fashioned by meaning, you know, 
a man on a date is usually supposed to be gentlemanly and yes. and proper, right? Yeah. But but there are none of these things mm-hmm. for women loving women relationships and dating, right? Yeah. There's not, and it's very it's an interesting thing to experience it firsthand. You know, the audience listeners they can hear me explain this, but it is so interesting to feel that firsthand of it was almost what I expected a normal relationship to feel like. You, you know, you watch movies growing up and it's, you know, an instant love connection, you know, between a man and a woman and they have a great time and, you know, there's the kiss at the end of the first date and all this stuff. And, and that, it's all perfect, right? It's all, it's all perfect. And any date I had went on with a man before this was not that at all. It never, you know, met my expectations. And at that point before I had, I had met Marissa was maybe my expectations are wrong. Maybe I need to lower my expectations. And then I met Marissa and it, you know, exceeded my expectations so much that I was like, is this what straight people feel like like when they go on a date? Oh my goodness. It was eye opening experience for you. Absolutely. Definitely. It was eye opening. It validated me and my identity. And, you know, she opened my world in ways that, you know, a man never had. And, you know, I loved her for it. She was great. We um, had, it was kind of like a summer fling for us because okay. um, I moved down to Cedar City and she was actually going on a study abroad to London. And so neither of us wanted to do the long distance things. So I don't think any of our audience members would blame you for that. No, it's, I've never wanted to do long distance. My, you know, that was like the love languages. Right. My number one is physical touch. Even just like holding my hand in the car is plenty for me. And so I was like, I can't do a relationship with someone who's, you know, on a completely different time, like eight different time zones away. Oh my god! Thousands of miles. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And so we ended up breaking up. Um, we're still friends, as funny as that is. That's another thing with, with women loving room relationships. At queer relationships in, in queer general, relationships, I feel like, right? The friendship stays. I don't know what it is, but like, I'm friends with one of my male exes, but that's only because of like how it ended. We ended up as friends because we both realized it wasn't going to work out. Right. But any other relationship I've had with a man or even like a single date I went on, I don't talk to them anymore. I still hear from Marissa like to this day. <laughs> Actually, that's it's really interesting you say that because uh, if any of our audience members remember, um, I have a, an Instagram page called First Date Fails with a Z if anyone wants to follow. Um, and I, when I was a freshman, I documented all of these single dates. Uh, I mean, sometimes I went on to in one occasion, but- None of those people on that page, none of the posts, I don't interact with them anymore. And if you read the posts, you'd find out why. Let's just say that. So so what makes what makes queer relationships different? I feel like there's and I'm not saying there's not a level of respect with, you know, a so-called straight relationship, you know, a man-woman relationship, but there's a different type of respect, I feel, within a woman loving room relationship of almost like yeah, this didn't work out, but like there's that, always that but in a relationship. And I almost feel like no matter how toxic a person can be, there's always, you know, a hint of maybe getting back with them someday or, you know, still wanting that connection because, you know, from the get go, there's always a very deep friendship that sparks instantly. And then there's that love connection on top of it. And right. So I feel like, you know, if a love connection is taken away, there's still that base friendship. So you're saying that queer relationships have a higher likelihood or it's more it's more normal to start out 
with friendship and then build on top of that rather than rushing into maybe a relationship where you're not friends first. Yeah, I think definitely, definitely that kind of wraps up what I was saying. And I think too, with a lot of queer relationships, there's a certain period of, you know, of course if you meet them on a dating site, it's different because you know that what they're looking for. But if you just, you know, meet them through a drive-through or, you know, meet them while working with them or whatever, you have to kind of build a friendship, build a relationship first and then find out if they're interested. Because you have to kind of weed out if, you know, they are queer, if they're interested in, right. in you as a, as a person. Whereas, you know, heteronormativity with, with straight relationships. You just assume. You assume. You know, people say that you can't be friends. You know, men and women can't be friends because of that they call an instant love connection between them. There's no base friendship there. So do you believe that? Just to ask, do you think that men and women can be friends? Absolutely. I have many male friends who I adore, but I would never date. And I feel the same way. It's not, you know, against them. Like, I think they're great people. But, but you know it doesn't work out. Exactly. It's, there's not that love connection for me with them. Right. Exactly. And it's the same way. I mean, as a queer person, that also automatically exp- expands to all people that you're attracted to or can be attracted to. So you can be friends with women without that connection, right? Definitely. Because I think that a common a common myth that I think um, queer people often face and struggle with is that... Um, maybe others fear an advance from them, um, if that makes sense. So, so maybe, um, if you're queer and you have a a woman best friend, are, are they worried? You know, are they, oh my gosh, like they're going to hit on me and blah, 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 blah. But I, but what you've been saying is that there's this level of respect and the friendship comes first. Yes, right. Definitely. I think it, you know, is also dependent on the person too. Um, one of my best friends in high school, um, when I had come out to her, her first comment to me was, as long as you don't hit on me. And that almost ruined that level of respect I had with them. And, you know, we're no longer friends. And that's actually part of it was I feel like there was that comment made and it was probably meant, you know, not maliciously or anything. It was just, it was still like that expectation of now that they know I like everybody, I like them too. And that's not always the case. That's it's almost true. never the case for me. I, I completely agree. And it seems like that's the default reaction. Yes. Sometimes is yeah. that, oh no, like they're telling me that they're queer because they're interested in me. And and I think that what a lot of people don't understand is that um, queerness is an identity. And when you're friends with people, you share your identity with them, your full identity. Yeah. And so that's not coming out should not be, you know, you shouldn't equate that with an advance. No, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's seen as an advance with, you know, a woman telling a woman this. But one thing I get almost, almost, not all the time, the good ones don't say this. But with men, if I say, oh, by the way, I'm queer. The first thing I always, always get, not always, but they say, are you interested in a threesome? That is the most common answer I a get stereotype. from a man. It is. It really is. It's like now, you know, they assume that the option is open, you know, for a three-way. And that's not the case. That's not what I'm interested in. Absolutely not. And I think if they took the time to ask you in a more um, respectful way, not in response to a coming out, then 
you know, that conversation could be a lot different and a lot more respectful, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and I said always, but you know, I don't, I don't mean always actually, um, a friend of mine who we, who we both work with, um, he, I refer to myself as queer and in the past, you know, it's kind of had a negative connotation. Right. And he straight up asked me, so you referencing yourself as queer. And I thought, you know, we couldn't use that language. Like how, you know, kind of explain this to me. And that was his reaction to me coming out. It wasn't, you know, oh, do you want to have a threesome? No, it was I seeking to understand to you. Yeah. And it opened the door and we, you know, became super close and it's been great because he asked me a genuine question about me. He was interested in knowing that part of me rather than assuming something about me. And it was really refreshing to hear that. That is so incredible. And I think actually this is a good time to talk about that because I think a lot of people are unsure of the language that that um, we use now. So um, queer used to be um, an, an insult, right? Yes. So there are a lot of these language uh, terms that have been reclaimed by the people that they once um, targeted. And, and now we turn them around and we use them. So, so as, as a default, I think the perfect adjective to describe people in the LGBTQIA plus community is queer. Mm-hmm. And, wh- and, and we were talking about that earlier because it's an, um, an, it's an umbrella term, yes. right? Yeah. I think, you know, especially like what my friend had asked of like, I didn't realize that was an okay thing to say. If you're unsure, ask. Ask a person that that's from that community. You know, I have right. a friend and, and they're non-binary. They came out to me as a non-binary. And I was actually writing about non-binary people in one of my papers for um, one of my general classes. And I texted them. I said, hey, if I said, you know, this and I said it in this way, is that okay? And, you know, I'm part of this community, but I because I was un, like I didn't have as much knowledge in this one section, I reached out to somebody who was in that part and you know, they were like, oh, that's great. You know, you I know. bet they so appreciated and, that. And yeah, I think, you know, if you're ever confused on, you know, the language to use or what something means, ask, ask respectfully, you know, and it's, I can almost guarantee if you ask in, in a respectful way, they will tell you. you and know? I can almost guarantee that they'll thank you for it afterwards. Yes, yeah, no, too. definitely. I love to educate people. People, you know, if I, you know, mention I'm queer to somebody or they see it, you know, in my Instagram They'll be like, they'll ask me questions. They're like, oh, they're like, oh, is it okay if I ask you some questions? I'm like, yeah, ask me questions. I want to let you know about this because it's not the default. No. You know, growing up in Utah and even, you know, in places where, you know, the Mormon culture is more prevalent, they're told to avoid these questions. They're told to completely avoid, you know, any mention of, of the community. Right. And if you're curious, ask me. I will, Every single time I will, I will answer your question. I'll probably go into more detail than you're looking for. Right. And well, I think the best part of asking questions is that asking questions almost always leads to increased acceptance. Absolutely. Has that been your experience? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, there was a a girl last year who, you know, one of my good friends and they, uh, she grew up in, you know, a realm of don't ask, don't ask questions. You know, it's not right. And she's like, hey, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a world where I could ask these questions. Are you okay if I ask you? And I was like, yeah, of course. And she asked me these questions. She's like, I'm sorry, like, if I'm offending you. I'm like, no. Like, if, you know, it comes across as offensive language, I will let you know kindly. So then you can kind of correct your language and all that. 
and you know, nothing she said was offensive. And after that, after I told her, we became closer because she understood me and the community better. And I was, you know, grateful for her for asking me these questions. Right. And that's such, that's only one example of a variety of different stories that tell the same, that give the same lesson. And I think that lesson is acceptance has to start somewhere. And so no matter, and and to our audience members, um, I hope that after listening to this podcast, you feel more comfortable with the idea of coming to know people, coming to know queer people and coming to accept their identity as part of who they are and not as as something that could be harmful right because you never want to view you never want to assume that because of a person's identity um they are lesser than or they are more likely to hit on you or anything like that um with those negative connotations is only gonna harm your relationship so so to wrap up kind of this podcast and I, I can't believe it's been almost it's been like the entire episode but Kat, would you give us one final piece of advice for people who are struggling with this concept? What would you tell them? You know, I I think I even stated it before. If you're struggling with the concept, ask, Google, research. You know, I I love research. I'm I'm research-based. That's my major. I love it. Right. And, you know, I don't know everything. You know, the person next to me doesn't know everything. But you can always learn more. You can always ask questions. You know, be inquisitive. And, you know, for the audience members who do fall into this into this community who are queer, you know, still ask these questions. You know, I I ask my non-binary friends, hey, explain to me more, you know, your identity. You know, I I ask I love to ask gay men because I for the longest time, I never understood the attraction to men. Right. And so, you know, hearing it from a male perspective was interesting. And so definitely ask, ask questions, be inquisitive. It's. Because everyone is different. Exactly. Everyone's experience is different. You know, mine is, you know, maybe unique in some places, but it, it's not in others. And, you know, you, you know, you have different experiences than I do. Exactly. You know, this I, conversation has made that clear. Exactly. You know, and it's, it is ask, 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 ask as much as you can ask questions. I love that. And thank you so much, Kat, for coming on this podcast and for really bringing such a unique perspective that we've never seen on this podcast. And I think this is the start to a more inclusive podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I of loved course, it. Of course, of course. And now, as much as we don't want to see Kat go, we must bid her adieu now. Um, Kat, you want to drop your your Instagram, uh, you know, any or any social media that anyone can follow you on if they're interested? Sure. My Instagram is c.atfitzpatrick. So it's F-I-T-Z-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. It's just my last name. And follow me. Hit her up. Hit me up. I hear she's single and interested in everybody, <laughs> right? Am, I am single and interested in anybody. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I hope that you take the time today to consider your friendships and especially your friendships with queer people um, with an open mind. And as always, um, listen to our podcast, A Date with Sugar and Spice, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and f- tune in next week. For another unique perspective, um, I'm Aspen English. That's app.sen on Instagram. And we'll see you next week. Bye.